Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Plates Wesley. <laughs> With us we have more Golden Pages. Oh, love Plates. that and hate mm-hmm. the religion that it spawns. Um... <laughs> We are back with a very big case, uh, which you probably saw in the title, uh, and I cannot wait to get into it before we do. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. If you like hearing my voice, uh, listen to the Rooster Teeth podcast, RTP, RT podcast, all that good stuff. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to shows, or watch the free video version on roosterteeth.com. And Paige, you got a live show coming up. Yes, we got Horror Virgin live September 24th at Flappers Burbank. It's a Sunday at 5 p.m. So you can drive home if you live far away and still make it to work on Monday. They've got good parking and good food. Uh, The link is in all of Horror Virgin social media bios. So check it out there for uh, tickets, updates, or you can go to Flappers website and get tickets there as well. Uh, would love to see you all live. Thank you so much. Yes, it is not, as I had assumed earlier today, uh, on Thursday, on this Thursday. Nope. I don't know where my months are, and I thought the show was this Thursday, but it turns out it's in September. So uh, if anyone wants to trade plane tickets, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> and I think without any further ado, let's hop into the show. Hello. 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 I'd like to start a podcast. <laughs> Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us, we have Speculation Zone. There's a lot of speculation oh, in this episode. Oh, cool. I like when we go there. We don't do it as often anymore. I wish. It's going to be a lot in this episode um, just because, because it's such a recent case. There's a ton of information, but also like the wrong kind of information. Does that make sense? Where it's like, 50 million people are reporting on the sentencing, but that's not the information I want. I want the like old family shit. And there's only a couple people reporting on that. So yeah, yeah. You get that a lot whenever these big cases drop and you're like, well, I want to know what their childhood was like. And people are like, dude, chill. We just found out that they're for sure a murderer. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff's crazy. And it's also crazy how quickly you can find that stuff because here we are doing a podcast about it. But doom. Now, we did wait on this one because we wanted to wait until sentencing happened mm-hmm. so that we don't have another Donald Trump thing of like, it goes on forever and ever and ever. Um, we wanted to have a more final case and, and an actual case record. Um, but now that the sentencing has occurred, I'm actually really excited to dig into this one because it is super sad i mean super sad but very fascinating um and i think it's 
there's a lot of things that can be taken from this case. Um, both as just things to learn in general, but also ways in which things that may not seem super harmful and insidious can compound over time. And I think that's something to really kind of look at in this case where everyone wants to look at this as like, this lady just snapped and crazy things happened. And it's like, well, no, you know, there was a pattern of things leading up to this that is very tragic, but things to look out for in our loved ones and our families that we could maybe prevent some things like this from happening just by kind of keeping an eye out for each other sometimes. So we'll get into it. But yeah. Are you excited? I am medium excited. I feel like I know very little about this case uh, other than, you know, the big, big headlines. Yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. The parts that everyone knows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's one of those things that's been sort of on the radar, but not necessarily one that I've done too much digging into um a while back when i was trying to write an episode i came across it and i think i read like three sentences and i went that's too sad for me right now (laughs) and i tried to go with something else yeah oh understandable understandable i will say uh this first episode we're not going to get into too much sad stuff uh, and we're probably not even going to get to the sad stuff in the next episode. It'll probably be three or four episodes from now, uh, thankfully. Um, still going through a lot of the court documents, not 100% sure how long this is going to go. Lots of murders. So many murders. So uh, it's going to be a bit, I think. But are you ready to dive into some sources? Absolutely, always. So the very first source... Uh, Some of you have probably seen it, but it's the Sins of the Mother documentary on Netflix Uh, that mainly centers on Colby, who is Lori Vallow's oldest son, um, and some of her remaining family members that was made before the sentencing and before the case concluded. Now, we have to take that with a grain of salt because A, it is a Netflix documentary, and B, uh, because it, it only shows kind of one or two perspectives. Now, I do believe that Colby wants the truth out there. I do. Uh, And I default to believing Colby a lot of the time as far as as my perspective on the case. What I have also tried to do, though, is to back up a lot of things from the case with other sources. So uh, our other sources on top of that are um, an article from the East Idaho News about uh, Lori Vallow's attorney filing a motion insisting that Lori Vallow Daybell be called by her legal married name. This is important because it actually gives us a record of her multiple legal married and unmarried names. She has had many names, and we will go through that as well. Uh, Also, The Independent has a case summary uh, that has key revelations from the trial, as well as a timeline of the case and the important dates used in the state's case against Lori Vallow. Very important, very, very kind of handy to look at how and when these things are happening. Then we also have a couple articles from the Daily Beast, which are not Daily Beast, Daily Mail. Good Lord. A couple articles from the Daily Mail, which, again, normally don't love it as a source, Mm -hmm. but they're one of the few sources reporting on a few side cases that are getting some attention that a lot of other people aren't reporting on. Um, Mainly. Uh, the parents of the the birth parents of Lori Vallow's youngest child, JJ, 
uh, and where they are and what has happened to them. Uh, but also uh, an, an article on Lori Vallow's sister, uh, Stacy, who we will talk about in this episode a little bit. Then we also have uh, two articles from Cinephile, which is uh, Lori Vallow's siblings, where are they now? And Janice and Barry Cox, who are Lori Vallow's parents, where are they today? Uh, and those are our sources for this episode. Uh, this case involves so many different pieces uh, that there will likely be different sources every episode. Usually we have like five or six that we use for most and then a couple extra ones per episode. This one might have whole different ones each time because we're kind of telling like multiple different chunks of story. Um, but without further ado, you ready to get into it? Absolutely. All right. So today we're mainly going to be focusing on the life of Lori Vallow up until the point that she meets Chad Daybell. So Lori Vallow was born Lori Noreen Cox to her parents, Janice and Barry Cox, on June 26th, 1973 in Loma Linda, California. She's one of the middle child of five children. The oldest is Stacy, who is uh, unfortunately no longer with us. They, they have passed away. Uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, then we have Alex, Adam, Lori, and Summer. They grew up in Southern California and were active members of the LDS Church with their own homegrown flavor of Mormonism. Uh, and I had to do some digging on this, but follow me down a rabbit hole for the moment. This is our first speculation zone, just seven minutes into the episode. Nice. Um, yeah, awesome. Here we go. I really do like more that Mormonism is like the fucking pathfinder of religions where it's so easy to homebrew it into your own special kind of fucked up. It really is. It, it's it's like the kombucha of the God world. Um, <laughs> okay. That makes sense it if does. you think about it. It really does, which is why that was my reaction was like a laugh, a hold on, a wait, okay. Just like that yeah. kombucha meme. You're like, mm, wait a second. Yes. <laughs> Now, if you watch the Netflix documentary, uh, it became increasingly clear to me while watching it, and we'll discuss it later in the episode, that we're dealing with some likely undiagnosed mental illness. And I'm not a doctor, but I have done a lot of research that still doesn't allow me to diagnose people. <laughs> Suck it. Uh, but I think <laughs> multiple people in the story display some clear signs of both religious trauma but also indicators of more serious mental illness that seem to go untreated and then permeate their lives. Now, again, we don't 100% know everything that was going on. They may have been in treatment. We don't know. I can only go based on their actions that we know about in the news. Uh, now, a lot of people look at the story initially, especially via the, the documentary, and they think, how could one person just snap and do something so evil out of nowhere? Because it's not out of nowhere. That's not like, no. She didn't just suddenly do this out of nowhere. If you watch the documentary, they don't really discuss this, but you might have noticed something right off the back. Uh, Lori's parents seem a little off. Uh, for example, Lori's mom maintains Lori's innocence literally up until the bodies are found. And I completely understand not wanting to believe that your kid is capable of that um, and wanting to hope for the best. I get it. But if you followed this case in the news, you know that there were a ton of clues way before they found the bodies. Uh, and it was not really a question of if they did it, 
more like when are we going to find out how, when, and why they did it? Because they very much did it. There were like no other suspects. Um, so Lori's mom in the documentary strikes me as a little bit of eccentric. Maybe not much beyond that, but again, we only have what the documentary is showing us, right? But then the documentary goes into a story from Barry, Lori's dad. And it talks about how they were instilling LDS beliefs at home. And Lori, at the age of eight, seemed to take these stories more seriously than others, where she would call her dad a spiritual giant and would frequently cry over stories and things she was learning about with the LDS. And her father recounts this as a cute story. Now, at this point, I want to say, it is not my business to tell you how to talk to your children about religion. That is between you and your child and your family. But I will say that sometimes, because children don't have the context we have of living in the world as adults and a way to contextualize some of those beliefs, it can be touch and go with how children react to being introduced to religion. That is something that you really have to grapple with as a parent and choose how you want to approach that in the best way for you and your child. Um, it very much seems to me that her parents were instilling a lot of hardcore religious dogma that was maybe emotionally not healthy for her uh, and then pushing it. And you may not get this from the documentary because they don't cover it a lot because I went digging, right? I was like, well, what, what exactly was going on with her parents? So in November of 2019, after the death of Lori's third husband, we'll talk about it in a later episode, uh, but yeah, oh God, it's Sorry. a wild story. It just, it's, the sentence after Lori, the, the, the death of her third husband, uh, we'll get to her many dead husbands. It's we'll just, get to the multiple ooh, dead husbands. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm just giving you a timeline, sure. if that makes sense. So November 2019, her third husband is, is dead. Uh, she is married to her fourth, uh, but also already seeing Chad Daybell at this time. Her dad puts out a book, publishes a book called How the American Public Can Dismantle the IRS. Hmm, okay. Because he is basically a doomsday prepper and sovereign citizen. The documentary does not talk about this. In fact, a lot of articles don't talk about this. You have to go digging for it. Um, this is in the midst of her doomsday paranoia where she's stockpiling foods and planning for the end times. So if you're looking at this case and thinking about like, how can this woman suddenly fall into a deep doomsday cult and then murder her own children? It's because the doomsday cult was already here. That intense religious doctrine and the doomsday prepping was baked in early. And this is, again, still very speculation zone because very few people are talking about it. But there seems to be a, I would say, indicators of what looks like a history of mental illness within the family that is hidden or ignored or not talked about, which is, you know, when we look at Lori's mom being like, she definitely didn't do this. Nothing is wrong. Everything is fine. There are multiple times in this story where this family will say nothing is wrong, everything is fine, when things are not fine, and we have doomsday prepping going on. So when you're like, well, how did this happen? We added all the ingredients for this to happen. 
Mm-hmm. It's all in the soup already <laughs> it from was, day it, uno. It was a recipe destined to go viral on TikTok. It was like the feta eggs for people murdering their loved ones. I I I want to try the feta eggs. I just, I don't know. You want to try the literal feta eggs or the metaphor of feta eggs of killing your spouse? No, the literal feta oh, eggs. Oh, yeah, because um, they look good. They look really good. That feta pasta is underwhelming, but the feta eggs. The feta anyway. pasta, yeah, was pretty mid. Uh, I've tried it myself, but the feta eggs, man, ooh, with a little bit of chili oil. All I'm saying I is know. that I saw the chili oil one today. I was like, yes, yes, it's a, it's an absolute must try for me. Um, well, all I was gonna say though is the the idea that like sometimes people will say that they're fine, and it turns out they're murderers so never trust anybody and always keep everything to yourself right Paige? that's the lesson we should take away from not at all i i'm saying hey if it seems like something somebody's not doing okay hiding that and ignoring that doesn't help being open so that people can get the help they need much better Interesting. (laughs) and also uh hey if you know somebody who's getting super into doomsday prepping you might want, hey, are you okay? Check in. Because I feel like it's a symptom of other bad things going on. Like the prepping itself is is not the problem. It's the symptom, you know, because then you got to go to that person and be like, it seems like you're anxious about a lot and you, you have some fears going on. How's it going? What's going on? Yeah. I understand the world's a scary place, but why do we need this many cans of tomato soup? You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. For example, I live in Texas, but I still have my uh, uh, my earthquake bug out bag, which I'm sure will be uh, helpful for when a tornado inevitably comes and destroys my apartment. Um, sure. But that pales in comparison to the type of people who would maybe write a book called how we can topple the irs yes <laughs> which is look i re- look i was there in the pandemic i remember buying a little bit too much toilet paper i remember how hard it was to get meat never once did i go we need to kill the treasury not <laughs> once it, out loud <laughs> right i don't hey i don't like paying taxes but i understand that a rising tide lifts all boats and so i'm like hey i like driving on the streets i like having a nice community to live in therefore i will pay taxes anyway all i'm saying is the pieces to the puzzle were there <laughs> um and not a lot of people report on it because i think uh aside from colby I, and colby in the documentary is very forthcoming and i think is very honest and truthful about what he experienced. Uh, I think a lot of other family members are maybe not specifically Lori's mom seems to be very guarded about what she tells people. Now on the flip side, devil's advocate. If, if this happened to your family, I could understand not wanting to talk to the media about it all the time. Sure, I get it. Uh, but as we go through this episode, you'll see that this is not the first time that, that, that things have not been shared. Um, so, Let's get into more of Lori's life. So according to most people who knew her, but doubted heavily by me, uh, she has a relatively normal childhood. Uh, But in 1992, at the age of 19, she marries her high school sweetheart, a guy named Nelson Yanes. Now, we don't have a ton of information about him because he has understandably stayed out of the fucking spotlight. He has... Nowhere to be found. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't blame him. I would not doubt if maybe this person changed their name. Uh, I would. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would. 
I know this might be like kind of a hacky joke, but I would love to see the look on his wife's new his new wife's face when she finds out about <laughs> sure. this information. Just being like, "Huh? So the other day when you said that I was a little crazy because I wanted you to clean out the garage, Ooh, I, who's, <laughs> I, who's crazy now, Nelson?" <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. It's, I'm sure, I'm sure it was wild. Um, but this marriage ends within about two years. Um, we don't have a ton of details why people just say it, it didn't go well. They ended it by October of 1995 at the age of 22, she gets remarried. Um, her second husband is a man named William LaJoya. Uh, he also has stayed out of the spotlight. And again, I don't blame him. Uh, and again, the only thing we really know about him comes from Lori's family who claimed that the marriage just wasn't a good fit and wasn't working out. Uh, now, that uh, William LaJoya, that marriage is where she does have Colby, her oldest son, uh, in 1996, which makes me feel old because he's a full-ass adult on Netflix, and I was nine when this happened. I so, was like, also born in 1996. Oh, God damn it. My hips hurt. Just <laughs> everything. Okay. I'm fucking old. I'm an old person. I guess. I just was saying that, like, yeah, I was also born in 1996 and we were in a documentary together. Uh, that's true. We were. Uh, anyway, but Colby is, again, the primary source, one of the primary sources in the Netflix documentary. Uh, now, he seems to want the truth as closure for his siblings. And so. I do believe the bulk of his account, I would say. There, I, I don't disbelieve any of it. It's just that, like, we, he only knows what he knows, right? So, um, but I do believe him. So, that marriage ends in 1998. Now, something that the documentary doesn't talk about uh, that also happened in 1998 that I had to fall down a rabbit hole to find. We are back into the speculation zone. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Wow. It looks so so old in here, so dusty. We haven't been in here that often. Just get this tidy up a little Just, bit. Okay, uh, go for it. It's terrible. Okay, so very few sources cover this. But I got to talk about it because I got questions, and I feel like it feeds into an overall narrative that the documentary doesn't really touch and only a handful of articles are touching. The oldest sister, so Lori's oldest sister, Stacy, in 1998 was 31 years old at the time, and she passes away from, quote, unknown factors. Um, that's why we're in the speculation zone. Now, I deep dived on this a little bit. Let's talk about it. The only reason we have any information about this is because Stacy's daughter, Melanie, Lori's niece, is alleged to have been in the cult with Lori. Now, a lot of those allegations and accusations come courtesy of her ex-husband, and they are in a bitter custody battle, so grain of salt. But she is used in the court case, so there is some involvement of some sort. We'll get to more of that when we get to the trial a few episodes from now. But what I want to highlight here is something that I found in Melanie's social media. The Daily Mail articles we quoted also have this from her social media as well. She posted a very long message. I won't read the whole thing. I'll just summarize because we, we can't, we don't have all day. Um, <laughs> but it's basically her saying that all the allegations are false and it's based on her ex-husband trying to steal her children. Again, debatable. Uh, but a comment in it says to steal her children away like she was stolen away from her mother at the age of six. Now, 
Her mother passed away when she was nine. So that's three years between the time she was taken away and her mother dies in 1998. And at this point, the brain wheels start ticking. Substance abuse, mental illness, something. Um, But the family isn't saying shit. In fact, she's not even mentioned in the documentary at all. This death isn't mentioned in the documentary. It's not included. Um, But. Essentially, Melanie is taken and raised by other family members, and there's no information about it. And this happens multiple times in the same family. Melanie also says that she was told all manner of lies about her mother by her own family and her father. And again, I I think that there's probably a rational explanation here, maybe substance abuse or I think potentially a hereditary mental illness, because as we will cover in subsequent episodes, I think Lori displays a lot of indicators of something that's maybe not quite right. Her brother, who we will talk about a little bit in this episode, also uh, displays some really concerning behaviors. And then this oldest sister, we just don't know. So there's a part of me that's like, okay, is there a pattern here? You've got a dad who's basically a sovereign citizen. And then you've got a pattern of potential delusions and erratic behavior that maybe suggests that something bigger is going on and they're just not talking about it. Mm. Um, And again, full on excluded from the documentary in its entirety. They don't even mention her name. So... Again, speculation zone. This is just me asking. Hey, somebody should be asking these questions. Uh, It's me. I'm asking these questions because I think that hints maybe at a more rational explanation of what's happening in the future as opposed to just she just snapped. Right Um, now, if we cut back to 1998, um, she dies three years later at 26. So 2001. Lori marries a man named Joseph Anthony Ryan Jr. And here's where shit starts to get a little weird. So he does legally adopt Colby and then he and Lori have Tylee in 2002. That's not the weird part. But family and friends around this time have noted that Lori becomes increasingly obsessed with both her looks and the spotlight, air quotes, around this time. She competes in the Mrs. Texas pageant, uh, And again, that video is in the documentary. And then she goes on Wheel of Fortune. You can find this episode online, by the way, if you want to watch it. Um, How does she do? It's on YouTube. She does okay. Yeah. Uh, We find out that she was working as a hairstylist near Austin at the time. Okay. Um, And it's very much of the era, because this is like 2002 and three, where she's got the like, real chunky blonde highlights and i was oh, like oh no it was oof magoof oof. um a real t- uh, uh uh hair for its time yes um hey real quick what was that dude's name again joseph anthony ryan jr i did okay so i did hear that correctly this man has three first names um yeah i believe uh anthony is the middle name and ryan is the last name no, I get that, but, oh, but all yes, of those three are first, first names. names. Yes, you can't trust two first names. Three first names is unforgivable. Oh, and you definitely can't trust this dude because, as this is all happening, Colby reports to his mother that uh, that Joseph hasn't been treating him kindly, and that's kind of where he starts in admitting things to his mother. Now, in the documentary, we also find out that 
uh, Lori's sister-in-law, Joseph's sister, approaches Lori and says and asks her if she is being abused because she suspects abuse in the home. Which, by the way, that sister-in-law, high marks, high five. Because whenever she sees shit that ain't right, she's like, hey, I asked because it seemed like shit wasn't right. Yes. Good for you. Uh, Lori admits that, yes, she is being abused and she believes Colby is also. And so they she leaves Joseph. They get divorced Uh, after the divorces or as the divorce is being finalized. Colby says to Lori that he was sexually abused by Joseph. And I believe Colby. Uh, Colby has no reason to lie. Uh, and the family at the time believes Colby. Joseph's family believes Colby because the sister-in-law is still kind of involved. Um, everyone kind of writes Joseph off, basically like, fuck that guy. They don't uh, launch a criminal case. Or they, they don't make reports. But again, you know, people make that choice for different reasons. It can be very, very hard on a child to go through a court case. Like, I get it. I still believe Colby. Uh, so they get divorced in 2005. And in February of 2006, not even a full year later, Lori marries Charles Vallow. Um, while she's married to Charles in 2007, Lori's brother Alex attacks Joseph uh, as retaliation for the abuse. Now, here's a fun little detour. Uh, Lori's older brother Alex, Alex Cox, was an aspiring stand-up comedian. Okay. So we actually know a lot more about this attack or at least his point of view on it because he did sets about it and those videos are still online. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's not a great comedian. Uh, it's it, he, he obviously he never got famous. He didn't hit a big. Uh, sure. But a- according to him, and they do include some of his stand-up in the documentary, he claims that he tased <laughs> Joseph Ryan in the nuts and was given probation. You're telling me Alex Cox went for a nut shot? Yeah, I am. Oh yes, I am. Fucking God. <laughs> Say what you want, but I think he might be a great comedian. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. It's like he's doing the set and it's actually going well. And he's like, I thought they were going to give me like a parade because he was a fucking pedophile. But no, I got probation. And a few different like sources say he went to jail. But if he did, it was for a very short amount of time. Um, it seems like it was largely just probation. Um, yeah. I'm also thinking about this. There's a band out there who's like, yeah, I got my stand up on Netflix. <laughs> and it's for this. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he is no longer with us on this mortal plane. We'll get to oh. that in a later episode because uh, there's questions about Lori's involvement. So, Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, It's not good. But uh, had he lived, he could have used that Netflix credit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, And I honestly, man, I think if he had gotten that nut shot joke on Kimmel or Letterman. Oh, yeah. It he'd have his own killed. sitcom by now. <laughs> yeah, it would have been called Nut Shots. Nut Shots <laughs> with Alex Cox. <laughs> And his catchphrase would just be shooting people in the dick with a fucking taser gun. Yep. Yep. Love it. Um, now, the question, a little bit at the time, but definitely more so now, uh, a lot of people question if he did this at Lori's request. 
if she basically was like, go over there and tase him in the fucking nuts or go over there and attack him or whatever. It could absolutely very well be that he heard what happened to Colby and was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go fuck this guy up. Uh, that could be. Uh, I would understand that impulse for sure. Um, but there's a lot of questions about whether or not Lori influenced him to do this. There are, if you Google around on the internet, some questions about Lori and Alex's relationship. Um, they are, of course, brother and sister. I will cover some of those theories in later episodes, but ultimately, I don't think there's a lot of evidence for those theories. They are clearly very close, um, but I don't think you could argue closer than that. I'm still looking into it, but like, I think that's people wanting it to be more sensational than it is. I mm-hmm. think it's sensational enough to be like, hey, your parents potentially overlooked uh, indicators of mental illness and were doomsday preppers, but like, you know. Yeah, I think it's sensational en- enough when a guy fucking tased another guy in the dick and murders happened. I feel like uh, you don't really need the Game of Thrones spin on there, bud. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need to bring Lannisters into the chat. Like, <laughs> I, th- I think we got uh. enough. I mean, again, I'm still looking into it. If I find something that's like definitively, yes, it was this, I will tell sure. you. But yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is I really hope it doesn't it didn't happen because it's that's gross. And yeah, sucks. for sure. Uh, but if it did happen, I'm not, I'm not refuting that. I'm just, I guess, hoping, praying that it didn't. Right. Yeah. So anyway, 2006, she marries Charles Vallow. Mm -hmm. He was Catholic and he converts to LDS. Uh, but around this time she gets super into LDS. Uh, and Colby in, in the documentary says that he felt like it intensified after getting out of that abusive family environment where she was abused and he was abused and potentially Tylee as well. We don't know for sure. I would say that's likely. I think this is maybe some PTSD rearing its ugly head as religious obsession and potentially some undiagnosed pre-existing delusions and things like that. Uh, she begins believing that she is receiving messages from angels. Um, oh, no. Specifically the angel Moroni, which is the angel that brought the plates to Joseph Smith. Um, You know, them gold plates that definitely yeah. exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, what a, uh, I mean, I guess if you're going to pick a thing to lie about, pick the most famous, easiest lie that's ever worked. Sure, exactly. Um, but she also started doing things like replacing all the photos in their house with photos of the temple. Okay. So it's it's ramping up. Uh, and even Colby as a teenager is noticing that it's ramping up. As that's happening, uh, and she and Charles seem relatively happy, they decide to adopt Charles' sister's grandson, JJ. Okay. So Charles is a little older than her, not a, by a crazy amount, you know, but they're Mormons. So they got lots of kids, lots of grandkids, you know. He has an older sister whose daughter had a baby and could not care for it. Mm-hmm. And that baby initially was under his sister and brother-in-law's care, but they were a little older and they thought it might be better if Lori and Charles take that baby because they are younger and they have children that are 
not close in age, but younger-ish. So Tylee and JJ, I believe, are seven or eight years apart. Uh, and they end up having a very, very close bond. But if you'll recall to just a few minutes ago, this is the second time this has happened in that family. Mm-hmm. That someone has just kind of spirited a child away to a different family within the family unit. And then they um, have a close relationship with the sibling growing up in a weird cult. I get what you're putting down, Paige. We got to take this fucking baby down. <laughs> well, I think what this may be, because we also, we know a little bit more about this niece. Mm-hmm. And now granted, this is Charles' side of the family. So this isn't the Coxes. This is a different sure. side, but it's still, you know, the greater family unit. Um, we do know that JJ's biological mother uh, had some substance abuse issues, but was in treatment and uh, working on their sobriety and trying to get JJ back. Okay. Literally up until the murders. And then during the murder investigation and the search for JJ, she unfortunately passed away from. Uh, it, they said natural causes, but they believe it was linked to the history of substance abuse. Because, you know, take drugs for a long time. Sometimes it takes a toll on your body. It seems like that's what happened. Um, but, yeah, so that is unfortunately a sad aspect of the story. But I'm including it here just to, you know, paint this background of what's happening. Yeah. Multiple yeah, yeah. times, right? Um. So they adopt JJ. Everyone seems to be happy by all accounts, at least in the documentary and what other people have said at this time, the family is very, very happy. Everyone is happy to be there. No one's being abused. Charles, her new husband, is very, very wealthy or at least comfortable compared to how they have lived in the past. He seems to have uh, a fair amount of disposable income uh, and everyone seems to be happy they're just a little worried that mom is like super into the church. But other than that, they seem happy. But then angels tell Lori that she and her family should move to Kauai. And here's the thing, because Charles has money, they do. So they go to Kauai for three years. According to the family, it, it's great. It's a blast. They love living there. Lori gets super involved in the LDS church on the island And they do, in the documentary, interview some of her friends from that time. And her friends paint a little bit of a different picture where they say things like she was not happy. She didn't think Charles was her spiritual equal. She didn't think he was understanding the high spiritual concept she was talking about. And the angels that were speaking to her would keep her up all night. So she's also now not sleeping, really. Mm-hmm. I mm, I hesitate to equate these two things together. So do not think of it as that. But it did remind me recently that I was talking with a mutual friend uh, who told me that they had just broken up with their boyfriend because their psychic told them it wasn't going to work out. Uh, and talked about how emotionally hard that was because they were like i really loved him and i really thought this was going really well and you know it just didn't i felt like i was waiting for the other shoe to drop and uh when she told me it wasn't going to work out it was like well damn that's a bummer so i broke up with him and i was like 
That's a that's a that's a wild thing that you were. To, that's. A, I think that's, I think your boyfriend dodged a bullet. Yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, damn. Wow. Shit. Anyway, just one of those weird things where you're like, I don't, I don't know that you should just listen to any advice anyone gives you. Like, I know they're angels, but also look at them. They look terrifying. They are massive lumps of eyes and tentacles and fucking lion parts. Which is why uh, I I realized you and I have not talked about this all that much. Uh, but uh, because I'm working on writing and other, well, as soon as the strike's over, other stuff, I uh, started my own media company just to like have and, you know, have invoices and, you know, compile all that stuff. Uh, but I went so far to like get logos and shit made for it. Mm-hmm. And I enlisted Michael Schultz, who's done some awesome cult podcast designs and stuff for us in the past. Uh, and I kind of want to show it to you if you want. You can yeah. describe it. But I here's the notes I gave him. Uh, angels plus horror, but like biblical angels, horror eyeballs. So here's uh, what we got. Let me share this screen. Yo, oh my God. How Yo, fucking lit is that shit? That is incredible. Isn't that amazing? I'm so excited. It I, is, I fucking love it. It is an eye, a bloodshot eye with uh, surrounded by what appear to be bat wings. In a seraphim like yeah. logo kind of thing. Yeah. Be not afraid. Yeah. Oh Be not my afraid God. media. Wow, the branding on this is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Oh, I mean, when you want the best, you get the best. Uh so yeah. But that just made me think of it. I was like, angels, eyeballs? Yeah, here, here for it. Oh um, yeah. That absolutely yeah. rocks. I guess what I'm saying is um if your logo is a canonical angel. Uh, maybe be afraid of the. <laughs> if so, if somebody's first words to you are "be not afraid," be a little afraid. Be a little afraid. <laughs> well, and I think that's why I picked it because I was like, it's kind of fun to be like, yeah, I do a lot of horror stuff, so like, be not afraid, but like, you mm-hmm. know, wink, wink. It's wink. very, it's a very good name and a very good logo page. Very excited. Uh, so what's the craziest thing an angel's told you? Um, well, I remember Angel Luna in my middle school PE class told everyone that he could do a backflip and then he tried and then he fell on his ass and started crying and then he wasn't in class for three days because he like bruised his tailbone or something. I love Uh, that. (laughs) I don't know if that counts. (laughs) I'm going to say that counts. I was going to ask what's the weirdest reason you broke up with someone, but I think that's better. (laughs) That's incredible. <laughs> oh, man, I feel like I don't know. I I, I I wish I had that a little bit. I wish I had like a cartoon uh, in, a made up creature that I that only I saw that could like make fun of the world around me like a TV show or that I got weird dreams about uh, angels. Instead, I get weird dreams like. I think I've told this to you before. Every time I have a nightmare now, it's like, oh no, you missed a flight. Oh no, oh. there was an important meeting and you were not prepared it's, for it. It's the day of the roast battle and you haven't written any jokes. Yes, it is the most terrifying thing for me now, which is just unpreparedness and unprofessionalism. And uh, I hate it because when I was a kid, I used to have dreams like, oh, no, zombies are real. Right. And now it's like, oh, no, your taxes aren't in and the IRS is calling you somehow. Right. 
Oh, yes. Jesus Christ. Okay, so, damn, you're living in Kauai, one of uh, the most beautiful places I could imagine living. You, I know this is an audio medium. When Paige said that, I made a face like, <laughs> oh, for real? Oh, you, you got racks like that? Damn, <laughs> I didn't know you was balling like that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're living there. And you're still, I mean, like, obviously something's wrong. Uh, it might be run-of-the-mill, like, you know, mental health crisis. Uh, maybe there's, like, you know, underlying problems, and this is a way of manifesting them. But, like, oh, my God. You go to Kauai, and you are cursed by visions of an angel. I'm assuming it's a curse. I'm assuming this sure. person, well, I don't know. I guess because it's, I don't speculation zone, I guess. It's made up, right? Like, the angels aren't real. Well, so so here's my thing, um, because the way that she describes it, it sounds like the Long Island medium uh, where she's just like, they just talk to me sometimes or like okay. at night they give me advice. I I think this is delusion. Uh, I, yeah. I think something is not right. Uh, I, I think something is is going on medically uh, and, and mental illness wise that is contributing to these delusions. And, you know. Add lack of sleep into that, add mm -hmm. stress and, and untreated PTSD from the abuse into that. Like, I very much believe that this is a a mental health issue. And it made me wonder, did her sister have mental health issues like this? Is that why, um, you know, her daughter was removed? Is this a case where her, you know, we will see her brother Alex do some very strange things later on. Is is there some untreated mental illness there? Like there's a whole bunch of things that I think would give most people pause mm -hmm. that are written off as like, well, wouldn't you like to hear angels? And my thing is like if any if anybody is saying an angel talked to them, just get them checked out. Like, like just one appointment, yeah. something, Best you know, case scenario. God is there and he's back with a vengeance. Worst case scenario, they get the help that they need. Okay. Right. It's a win-win. Exactly. Exactly. Because here's the thing, you know, is it possible that God has talked to somebody? Sure. I mean, hey, I, I, I don't know everything. Yeah, I guess it's possible. Is it likely? No, <laughs> yeah. it's not likely. Although and I guess when the entire foundation of the religion that you've been in for so long is that God does sometimes just chop it up with Americans. And hand out he's... plates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like uh, God is a Latino family's party that is just feeding the neighborhood. Yeah, for sure. I guess. Well, and, and I think that definitely does contribute where, you know, we've got again, we've got all of the ingredients for the soup. We've got intense LDS where her parents are doomsday preppers there. And, and at this time are starting to get into that vein. Uh, they were heavily invested in the church at home. And so I think a lot of these are ingrained beliefs that Lori already has that are exacerbated by mental illness. Right. And like, and here's the thing. I'm not trying to argue that like, Hey, people with mental illness are dangerous or kill people. That's not what I'm trying to say. I am saying that we are all potentially vulnerable to mental illness and it's in our best interest to try and get help when we can or help others around us get help when we can for their just best interest, regardless of what, whatever else is going on. 
it's just good to check in on everyone's mental health sometimes. And I feel like that was not happening in this case, in part because I think her family sweeps things under the rug, but also allegedly, those are my opinions, but also B, this is a church history that really relies on air quotes profits to be like, oh, the angels talk to you. Great. That's definitely real. Let's all take that advice. Right. And I know not all LDS does that, but I'm just, you know, historically. Yes. <laughs> that did happen in the past. Uh, and so I think for some, they did not maybe as quickly recognize this for potentially what could have been a mental health crisis. Yeah. Just. Uh, man. Yeah. Uh, now. At this point in the documentary, if you're watching the documentary, they move back to Arizona. We will cover that a little bit more later because we got to talk about something else first. Uh, what they don't say in the documentary is that by the time they decide to move back to Arizona, Lori was already interested in reading a series of books that would change her and her family's lives. In fact, while she's still in Kauai, she works with a friend and starts kind of a group and they start a podcast. Oh, no. You can still listen to it online. I will warn you, it is boring. Uh, it is. <laughs> some people, the tone of some people's voices can just put you right to sleep. And yeah. she's one of them. But she's also, she talks continually about, you know, I was married to a man who raped my children. Her words, quote. I, I should have said quote before that is her, her, mm -hmm. her actual words, mm -hmm. direct quote. Uh, and I was rescued by the temple essentially. So she believes that God pulled her out of that to then give her a greater purpose and then started talking to her directly. That is her belief. And she talks about it a lot on that podcast. Again, troubling. <laughs> Very yeah. troubling. Yeah, especially that kind of, I mean, poof, do you drop that revelation before or after the uh, HelloFresh ad read, do you think? <laughs> also, that, uh, the podcast was called Feel the Fire. Uh, but yeah, I, can you imagine just being like, <laughs> what's the VPN one? NordVPN? <laughs> yeah, any of them. Any of them. And then <laughs> Factor Meals <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Now, my father was a doomsday prepper, and uh, these factor meals would have been just his thing. They're honestly <laughs> delicious. Uh, they are honestly delicious. I really, really good. I shouldn't shit on factor because they're really, really good. They're really good. Um, that's one of those ones that, that like people heard our ads on Horror Virgin and stuff for it, and we were like, okay, but we, we ate those, and they were good. Uh, yeah, look, this podcast is not sponsored by factor. Other shows that I work on, however, are sponsored by same, factor. Same, same. It is so fucking annoying when you get an, an ad read for a product that you're like, damn, I really like it. I really like it. Because now every time I talk about it, I feel like a paid shill. But yes. damn it, if it's not just fucking good. Same, with, same with Mint Mobile. They've been super fucking cool to yeah, us. Yeah, Mint Mobile's real chill. Shady Rays, too. I met some of the people from Shady Rays at RTX, and they were super oh, chill right. and super cool. And they were like, we really like how you do our ad reads. And I'm like, good, because I say fucking them a lot. And oh, it, same. Yeah, we say cool. crazy shit. Yeah. It's like when we were doing like those Dipsy ads. Dude, and we were I'm like, just chasing the high of Dipsy ads. Mm -hmm. I miss doing Dipsy ads. They were really fun. They were so fun. <laughs> remember that? But, but, <laughs> 
audience. I wish I had the audio files of all of them. I sure I do. I'm sure I do somewhere. They used to make me oh, laugh. Yeah. I do have them, but audience, I don't know if you remember that period of time where we had ad reads that we did. They're basically like, "Hey, wanna come?" <laughs> Fucking you can come right this now? summer with some Irish audio stories <laughs> and soundscape. The best part for me is that I had to record those ad reads at my mom's house in Minnesota. <laughs> I I also love uh, Dipsy social media is one of my favorites. I follow I follow them on like all platforms because they crack me up, and they'll post things that people have tweeted at them as like suggestions for things to say. <sighs> it's great. Absolutely it's phenomenal. so good. Okay. I love it. So this anyway, person back to this. Has, yeah, they started this person a podcast. One, oh my God. Hey, I've been thinking about starting a podcast. I would love to start a podcast for education. Um, Jesus <laughs> right. uh, uh, that is a an inside joke that we have because we saw it on an episode. Teen Mom, right? An episode Teen of Teen Mom. Mom. When were we watching? Oh, you were at my house because you didn't, you didn't have internet. Yep. And we were watching Teen Mom. And one of them wanted to start a podcast. And her dad responded with, I would love to start a podcast for education. And it's one of the craziest things we've seen on TV. Yeah, we laughed really hard and have not stopped quoting it since we heard it. Yep. Uh, so Feel the Fire, her podcast, <laughs> she discusses her beliefs and, and discusses and openly is like, angels are telling me stuff. Here's what they're telling me. And the person, the her co-host on the podcast is like, that's great. I, I'm so happy that the angels are telling you that. Like, they're just mm. validating the delusions. Um, but the other thing that they would discuss on the podcast was a series of books that she was obsessed with. A series called Standing in Holy Places by Chad Daybell. And that's where we will end this week. Wow. Okay. Jeez. Well... Already, I know so much more than I wanted to know about this case that I sort of kind of read. But if I see, here's the thing. If those news articles that were like, get ready to hear about this really bad thing that'll really bum you out. If they had been like, but also she hosted a podcast <laughs> would have really made the medicine go down smoother. <laughs> Alpha brain <laughs> helps you talk to angels. God, yeah, she had a... She, she was actually the original host of the Joe Rogan experience. It just didn't make sense until Joe Rogan took over. Casper mattress. Angels or ghosts? You decide. Casper mattress. <laughs> oh, man. I have one of those fucking mattresses on the way right now. Not from Hell Casper. Yeah. From another company. Purple? Uh, I cannot say. Nectar? I, I cannot fig? say. I will not say. Also, we did do just uh, at the other show that I work on, the Rooster Teeth podcast. We did an ad, or not an ad. We did a, a um, sorry, the Rooster Teeth podcast. We did a sketch where uh, we needed to come up with a fake company to do ad reads for, and we <laughs> called it Carl's Big Big Mattresses. And <laughs> it's not even a particularly funny name, but every time we said it, Carl's Big Big Mattresses. And then we made a fake logo where one of the bigs is really big. <laughs> And then things change throughout the sketch. It doesn't make any sense unless you see it, but the name changes from Carl's Big Big Mattresses to Carl's Big Regular Mattresses uh, <laughs> to Carl's Small Small Mattresses. <laughs> and the tagline changes each time, and the, the smallest one was uh, uh, Tiny Beds, Big Z's. 
Carl's small, small mattress. <laughs> just absolutely oh. stupid. Um, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Paige, yes, thank, thank you, you for for bringing this uh, <laughs> story. Yes, it um, only gets weirder. I'm sorry. Oh, I can I can already see how wild it's getting, and uh, I am here for the ride. And oh boy, I cannot wait for next week. But hey, if you also can't wait for next week and you want to listen to more stuff listen to the rooster teeth podcast it's that show i just talked about we got sketches we got games we got fun stuff um it's a blast i love making it go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts or watch the full video version which includes a new sketch every week at roosterteeth.com uh, if you want to follow me, you can at Mondo Does Stuff on all social media: Twitch, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, X, uh, Twibber, Threads, uh, Depop, um, Nike.com's membership, uh, my Domino's <laughs> account, <laughs> Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime, Postmates, <laughs> HEB's loyalty program. <laughs> At Mondo Does Stuff, that's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff, all one word. Thank you so much. I love you. Good night, good luck, and goodbye. Hey, it's your girl Paige. I'm here most weeks, uh, except when we're not vacated. But <laughs> if you are a fan of hearing me on other podcasts, you should go see Horror Virgin live bow, 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 September 24th at Flappers Comedy in Burbank. You can get tickets on their website or hit up any of Horror Virgin social media there are links in our bios. Uh, you can follow either of those shows at Horror Virgin or at Romancing the Pod. You could follow me at Page. Yes. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot my own handles. At Page. Excuse me. And then I burped in the middle of it. I'm fucking falling apart. <laughs> at Page Wesley on Twitter. At Rampage Wesley on Instagram. TikTok. Threads. Yo mama's house. Uh, I, I love you so much. Bye. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can uh, at Colt Podcast or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. Or you can send us an email to Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us books that you think we should be obsessed with and talk about on our podcast when we talk about the angels talking to us, mm. you could send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237, like, like the, shining. the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think uh, I'm going to say don't drink coffee, alcohol, or tobacco because you're a Mormon. Exactly. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Yeah.